All right, hello and welcome to the Cinnabums podcast with uh, John and Luke. Uh, today we've got a special episode going on. We're talking about the movie Heat with uh, uh, Justin Stillmaker is on the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. Yeah, um, Justin is here. not. Yeah, Justin is not only a uh, a filmmaker, a writer here in Los Angeles, but. Uh, also, more importantly to this show, an avid uh, movie wa- uh, watcher and Cinnabum himself. That is, uh, I think that's fair. I think I would call myself a Cinnabum. I usually average around like 350 to 400 movies a year. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a, yeah. He, and when I good numbers, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually when I talk to Justin, he plugs that stat. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Got to keep those... Not, I'm down this year. I'm feeling... I feel like I'm busy. And so I'm like, oh no, I'm only like... 220 so far for the year that's low oh see that's still pretty good um yeah i I don't know john and i just did an episode where we were talking about uh are struggling to watch movies as much compared to when we used to do the show and so we instead of talking about the movies we watched a lot of we watched about we talked about the movies we fell asleep to so like (laughs) basically uh movie attempts if you will will like you know we're still trying you know but like we 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 always lose steam in the middle of them, unfortunately. Sometimes nowadays, oh, I'm kind of curious, but I have I have a movie question. Like, if you make it halfway through, do you count it, or does it only? No, 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 no. Okay, no, no. You mean on Letterbox? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna, nah. I, there's some inflated nah. numbers coming around from people that I know. Oh, as well. yeah. yeah, that I'm like, I think you watched half that movie. You could have a conversation it's, about yeah. it. No, but. it is funny how people on Letterbox are being like sometimes maybe not totally honest with their numbers because like they actually hold it on their sleeve that much how much they're watching that it doesn't really that they're um yeah forging their numbers a little bit. Yeah, like some stuff I don't even put on. Like I, you know, I watched Heat in preparation for today, and I was uh, I didn't rank it. I was like, they don't need to see how often I'm watching Heat. This is this is can't. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see. I've re I've relogged Heat um a bunch of times in the past few yeah. years, so they are seeing how often I've watched Heat and other movies such as like uh, The Irishman, uh, for instance. Which is like one if you're showing you're watching that much, people are like, "What the fuck?" Because it's like four hours long. It's like <laughs> you know. But, yeah, does uh, this guy do enough. anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but I don't know. Like, how? Where? I guess. Where did your? Uh, your Cinnabum nature began and like, where is it now? If you want to like go over that briefly. So, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching movies like my, like it was like my favorite thing. I moved around a lot as a kid. And so like, I think now as an adult, I'm like, Oh, I liked movies because they were consistently the same since I was like in a different bedroom Uh, every six months and stuff. So like, I think that's Uh where it started. And then by like 12 or 13, I was like, I, I, I want to make movies. And I was like, the best way to get better at making movies is to watch movies. I think Tarantino if, school, baby. I like I, yeah. I do. This is like an argument I have with some yo- younger filmmakers. And like, I think both are true. But I, I do think like Scorsese and Tarantino and yeah. P.T. Anderson, Wes, they're all watching mm-hmm. a movie a day. They probably watched them obsessively. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think the only way to get good is like to watch a lot of stuff or be like super talented, which I don't I don't quite claim. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i mean like yeah. movies are their own language so like um like i don't know it's best to just like immerse yourself completely so that's taking up most of your brain i feel like if you're going to be doing if you're going to be making them at a high level which uh 
uh, Justin uh, does. Um, yeah, thank you. I uh, So I'll, I'll plug myself. I am doing my first feature this fall for a film called The Writer. And um, you can kind of follow along with that whole journey and everything on my Instagram. Justin Stillmaker is just my name. It's unique enough. I was able to get it for my Instagram handle. And yeah. uh and I also constantly am posting about movies. I like the thing I'm obsessed with is like subgenres, like movies that are like either like clones of other movies or like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like I've decided Oppenheimer belongs to the great genre of serious men in rooms smoking cigarettes, talking intensely. That's mm-hmm. a subgenre, which is like yeah, one of my favorite. Yeah. Heat almost right. qualifies for that genre of movie. And so I like to kind of explore that as a way to kind of get at what I actually want to make. Yeah. And I will say after watching The Rider and then after talking to you about it further, I won't like say I saw all this myself, but that um, The Rider is heavily influenced by uh, and like shows that it is someone who has watched, who watches a lot of uh, movies um, for mm-hmm. sure. And um, as you said, like throws a lot of things into it but also has its own original sci-fi world and philosophy and obviously story and uh stuff like that um, i'm uh I, with this with that with that particular film i'm trying to pull off the tarantino trick of like rip off everything right. you can't pinpoint one thing and k- kick me in the shins mm-hmm. for it so that's sort <laughs> yeah. of the, right. the tarantino approach for me on that one yeah. but that, that movie is super like not keep spoiling the subject for today but like it's super michael mann indebted like once I was, and that's movie. i was gonna get to that next is like may how ha- did something like michael mann probably more thief than today's movie but like mm-hmm. um how did like maybe a smaller michael mann movie how, how much influence did that hold and the 80s as well i mean michael mann is just like if you're like as a filmmaker who, you know, came up through the 80s and 90s, like, you know, watching stuff through that period. I grew up in Chicago, especially in the summer. In fact, um, one of my grandfather's best friends ran a, uh, like, a mechanic, sh- you know, like a garage that is, in fact, the one in Thief, Um, which I did not realize until wow, I was an adult really watching cool. Thief. And yeah. I was like, I remember this, like, barber chair in the corner. And I was like, oh, that's George's Body Shop. So, like, <laughs> Michael Mann's, like, approach to the city of Chicago and his consistent use, use of the word jag off is just the most um, <laughs> it's in my DNA. I can't fight it. And then he happens to make movies that I'm obsessed with because like, you know, he's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And John, you're a thief guy as well, right? Like, yes, definitely. I remember talking guy, about yeah. thief at one point with you. Um, we for sure talked like, about that. I'm, I'm sure in multiple episodes, including scores and soundtracks. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Tangerine yeah. dream. Yeah. Is that tangerine sure. dream as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, with uh thief, when I like, I made my short from the writer, which is now getting turned into a feature, which you can check out the trailer on my Instagram or at hit me up on in a DM and I'll send you the film. My wife had never seen Thief, and when I showed it to her, she was like, "Oh, I like like all these things I was like stealing from." Just like this is your into movie. place. This, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a welder in a garage in Chicago. You're 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 kind of right. You're in Thief territory. <laughs> yeah, and then um, you have a you have a show called on Twitch called Connect the Dots, which um, I started watching last week mm. um, oh, to, pre- to prepare for this and. Oh, no. um, I must say that, like, I actually, it is actually really, like, so relevant uh, to me right now mm-hmm. in my life, like, the topic of Connect the Dots. And I'm going to keep watching because oh. um, Connect the Dots, for anyone who's interested, is um, basically about bridging um, the gap between art and money and that whole relationship 
about like making money as an artist and the struggle and the constant kind of battle that that is. Um, and uh, as someone who's currently looking for ways obsessively to make money off of his own stuff, I was like, wow, this is like per like a perfect topic for me right now because it's like I guess that's something that uh, it's like on my mind um, very of often. Because you're an artist. Uh, thank you. Thank you yeah. for the plug. I, I like yeah. So the show is on Twitch, but you can watch it on YouTube. It's also then cut up into a podcast. It's called Connect the Dots. Um, and I just yeah, it's like that constant war between art and money. I think that's I think every artist struggles with that. And like I think that can be both the fun part of it is like kind of. I honestly think that's why so many filmmakers like bank robbers because I think that it's how they view yeah. dealing with studios and like right, right that you're the the you're the criminal trying to sneak one by, and uh, so yeah. that's the show. Kind of, I try to dig into that every week in a new way. Yeah, and I love the yeah you use a metaphor often in it where it's like oh the people with money they want the end product or something but they mm -hmm. don't want to deal with like the person behind it essentially you know yeah you're already you're seeing it with like now with like uh barbie like ever they're like oh we need more movies about toys it's like that's not what people are responding to the right it, it, yeah exactly yeah. it's the vision behind it you know it's yeah. like i don't know it's like nbc they wanted yeah. like the the money that seinfeld made but they didn't yeah. want like how crazy larry david was or something right. like that you yeah know? Like, like there's there's always there's always a push pull they always want to tap it down and like you know like as an artist you can take wild swings that don't work um it's all but like you know you have that's the only way to get somewhere interesting and like yeah. you can do the same thing but eventually someone does something new in the studio money's like oh shit we should do that and then they try to copy it yeah, now and it couldn't be more relevant with how, what's going on in the city right now. So yeah. I think it's like, yeah, no, really good, really good work with it. Um, Thank you. I can't wait to see how it progresses um, further. Thank you. Well, to have you on, both you and John. yeah. Wow, yeah, we went through all your stuff really quickly there. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting more and more at a pro at it. Like, but yeah, it, my website justicefilmmaker.com. The thing I actually want people to most follow is the Instagram for the writer, which is just the writer film. Yeah, as we're slowly putting yeah, it that's together. most important because he's climbing the mountain. He's making a he's making a movie, so a, a feature film. Yeah, um, Every and you're promoting it mainly. Aren't you said? Uh, like the distribution for the film is going to end up being in Asia. I mean, lot. I think, I think, I think we're like, there's going to be promotion everywhere, but I feel like it will do well internationally. So the film yeah. um, is a cyberpunk action movie that I short in shorthand called John Wick and the Blade Runner universe. And, um, but really it's a, there's a silent lead character. Um, so like, it makes it easier to kind of translate. It's, it's, you know, got like all that action and sci-fi with like a more practical effects look, but now like, you know, we're going to do a tiny theatrical run at some point. Like right now I can't even begin to think about, it's like one of those things when you're a filmmaker, it's like on a lower budget, you're like, I just want to get the movie made. How do I spend the most money? But you also yeah. don't want to not think about like, should we shoot teaser trailers as part of the budget? Yeah, we probably should. We're going to need all this stuff for down the line but you're just always like you know selling your arm to just get mm -hmm. the movie made mm -hmm. and so that's you know again i think that my, that's something michael mann kind of kind of co i think thief has always been is the one that's really about like art versus money if you we were to if i were to start right digging right into that. yeah i feel like i'm like that. i think of like uh heart of darkness or something like that yeah. too because he's just there like waiting it out in the island begging for more more and more money um that and like just doing business deals overseas um 
yeah. there's a great I, I had it as my lock screen for years there's a photo of him francis ford coppola sitting on like a dolly track on like with on the camera completely defeated mm-hmm. while like yeah. helicopters are flying over him and there's like expl- it's, you're just like yeah when it's all your money which is i it's nice to say is not what's happening with my short but it's enough of my money that i'm just like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah exactly it did end up being enough of his money yeah and uh, yeah. But that's not the, the i want to i always i recently read a coppola back and it's like that's not the movie that bankrupted him it's one from a heart one, one from, from the heart, heart. yeah, yeah, yeah that's what really... the real one the real ones know it's one from the heart the heart which is yeah probably the prettiest movie i've ever seen i'm dying to see a print of it one day well yeah he, it, it broke him because yeah he built that whole um that whole sound sound stage john have you ever seen that one one from the heart that's one i have and i know luke luke you've told me about that one a few times i think but yeah, i've brought it up i i never see it like i can't find it it's hard to, to find watch, you know? yeah, it's really yeah, hard to find. i i was able to find someone in chicago who had a dvd and we like kept their dvd for like maybe a year and then so we watched their one from the heart malt enough times you know i think but, yeah. it's eventually getting done into like a because like the blu-ray is not really a good blu-ray it's like a, and you cost like 50 dollars, so it's not exactly the problem with that movie it has the two worst leads everything else about that movie is great the yeah. soundtrack but it has two <laughs> he just Right. Got it wrong. Even, he even gets the side roles very well, but the leads. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like a wet blank. You're just like asleep watching them. You're like, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's the prettiest images you've ever seen, like on a screen, and you're just ready to fall asleep. It's kind of cool how there's like the mystique about it, though, that it's hard to, it's hard yeah. to find. Yeah. Like, there's just so much shit out there now, but there's yeah. still some mm-hmm. stuff every now and then that it's kind of hard to see. Not many people mm-hmm. have seen it. Yeah. I was thinking about this um, earlier when I was thinking more about this episode and i was like oh i have i i like i was thinking about my because we're talking about heat today it's and it's a movie i've overdone now um and it reminded me of like john we talked about you know the social network a couple years ago which was a movie i before that episode definitely overdid you were mainlining oh yeah (laughs) yeah i definitely and i did what i did for this episode i rewatched the movie i rewatched the movie with the commentary um, Social Network, I rewatched it with every commentary that's on the DVD. I watched it with like the one with Sorkin and the entire cast and the one with Fincher or something like whatever that however they divide the two. And so I can say that with both, I'm like very much had my fill of heat the way I had of Social Network when we covered it um, then for at least mm. um, a year or something like that. But I would I'd put heat in the category of like where I'm at now, where I like I'm be, I feel like I'm as honest these past four years as I've ever been on what movies I actually want to watch, what mm-hmm. I like. I'm pa- I'm way past that pretentious phase that was like five years mm-hmm. ago, and it, I, what I want to watch is like I'm very honest with what I want to watch, and like something like Heat and Social Network stuff like that is, you know, stuff I can't get enough of. You know, I'll like rewatch it over and over again. Right. Um, so I think I know this movie. I'd like to think I know this movie pretty well um, at this point, but um, I don't know, John. You haven't rewatched it in. Well, I don't. I think you haven't rewatched it in a while. So I'm interested in hearing like what you think of um, what you think of it now compared to like uh, how long ago it was when you wa- first saw it. Yeah, I was trying to think because we usually try and talk about what like our first viewing experience of the it's movie. It's like yeah, so first impressions. Yeah. And I can't remember when exactly I watched it, but I want to say 
you know, it was after I got my first apartment after college. And I just remember in that apartment watching so many movies. It was like my first, like first time without roommates, without living with family. <laughs> oh, your, your own uh, one so bedroom. Much. Yeah, my own one, one bedroom in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And you had and, a case uh, of bush light and a bunch of movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just it's a stack of DVDs. It's yeah. the dream, really. It's what beach responsibilities. Yeah. Oh, it was so great. Yeah, I did. I had a I had a pretty simple job where I got to work from home every now and then before it was normal. And I just watched so much. Um, and yeah, I, I assume that's when I can kind of picture myself in that apartment watching it. Um, and I remember being pretty blown away, but it was also one that I had like, yeah, extremely high expectations for because it's a movie you only hear amazing things about, you know, yeah. I rarely hear any sort of criticism. It's um, a high pedestal movie for sure. Yeah. 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 And this, it might've been the first Michael Mann movie I'd seen at like 22, 23 years old. Yeah. And I remember really being, uh, just like in awe of it. Um, cause it, I was just expecting, you know, it's just sort of a by the books action crime thriller that I'd seen before, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was just something different. You know, I, I just yeah. think the, the characters, there's just so much more depth to it than, um, you know, I can think of an action movie that I really liked at the time, too, was uh, like The Town, the Ben Affleck uh, movie. <laughs> Which is and totally like a, heat disciple, a heat disciple. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, really just like blown away. And this, it it was this time frame where I was really trying to get into all of these movies that are like really high praise, highly regarded that I hadn't seen yet. So mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I have to confess something. So I'm old enough to like, I was like, 10 i think when this came out in theaters 10 or 11 um so i saw it on vhs which was i believe a double vhs yeah nice yeah Yeah. and i didn't like it because i was (laughs) i was like again i was like 12 and i was like this isn't as good as bad boys or die hard or i was like i wanted like i had heard like great action movie from like my dad's friends or whatever and so then I sat down to watch it. I'm like, well, this isn't an action movie. This there's not stuff yeah. happening every time. There's only like two or there's like three yeah, action scenes. It is an incredible not scene, but like that's you yeah. gotta wait a long time. I was like, I can watch something. <laughs> I can watch The Rock or something. Yeah, and, and it wasn't fun. Yeah. Fun in your action, not stuff, not realism. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't until college that I like was like, I should probably watch Heat again, and I put it on, and then it just kind of stayed on through like a lot, like like what you're describing, Luke, where you're like watching it it's on in the background you're playing the commentary you know like i think yeah. it come out on dvd was probably or blue like it was like whenever it got re-released onto like one of the better formats i was like oh this is the best movie ever made okay yeah got it, yeah got it. yeah, <laughs> yeah that, I, that, that's like a similar thing with me like mm-hmm. uh i think i saw it like like john was saying where i watched it and i was like yeah this is very good but like maybe i, I like there was so much i didn't understand about how like deep the character dynamics go yeah. Um. And I think one day, like I had seen it a couple more times, and I was like, I think this is the best movie ever made, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Um. Just was like, I want to know, and I I became very motivated all of a sudden to like keep rewatching it and make sure I know every like everything about it I can. Like I, it was weird. I was just so um drawn to it. Um. When when did when did everyone realize or when was or or when was everyone told that this movie is like the Dark Knight? Oh, that's a good question. Because I was told I, I didn't figure it out for myself, but I think oh, I was yeah. told, and then I had to re 
you know discover that you know yeah i definitely heard about see this is i didn't since i didn't see it until uh like so after you college saw much I, after dark knight you know dark knight's way so, more in your like world probably. saw dark knight probably 30 times before i saw yeah, Pete once. Before it, so, <laughs> so you're like this is ripping off the dark knight <laughs> yeah what that oh my god yeah this is exactly like the dark knight yeah why don't i just watch that instead yeah <laughs> Um, uh, I definitely yeah. was that guy telling people because, like, by that point I was <laughs> yeah, I'm older. Yeah, so, yeah. like, when I went to see Dark Knight in the theater, I was like, "Oh, somebody loves Heat." It was like I remember, right. like, w- like in the right. moment, like as soon as you like, and then William Fickner shows up, and you're like, at least yeah. he's owning the tell. <laughs> like, I think that's like that's the coolest thing about movies is like all the directors like communicating back and forth with their like yeah, the movie that yeah. set them up and so like mm-hmm. i've always loved that nolan is like very clear about that and then to make william fickner the bank manager at the beginning of the dark knight is such a chef's kiss to me i forgot about that yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny because i didn't know till later and i didn't even find out on my own but i like held resentment against the dark knight for like not being original but then i grew to like especially over the years i've grown to really love the 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 like um i don't know fun crime thriller michael mann vibes of the dark knight and especially how much the opening scene is that uh heat homage as well you know what i i mean dark knight owes a ton to heat like a thousand percent but the one that took me for years to catch is that it's actually also chasing terminator 2 like down to a semi truck chasing a motorcycle and then flipping yeah. it. Like I had never yeah. like the picked, middle it, sequence that everyone loves is that. Um, yeah, and it was like that as well. And I like and the the thing I like about Nolan in The Dark Knight is like, you know, he looked at Heat and was like, I'm gonna try to beat it. And I like I respect any director who's like, I know this is a masterpiece, but I gotta I gotta try to see if I can top it. And like he picked two of the best action movies of all time and went for it. And of course, that's why everyone yeah, John, that's why you watch Dark Knight thirty times because it's fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it, and it does structurally like have all those heat moments, but it does its own like the um the uh, detective the um through the glass scene is the diner scene and yeah, that yeah. but yeah. It, and the they're both very well written like you know. Uh, you know depending on what list you're looking at there it'll be on there is one of the best scenes of all time depending on which type of maybe movie buff they are you know yeah and it's also i've had the pleasurable experience of showing heat to people who like go like oh this is where Chris, oh, like, as, they... soon, as, as soon as they see the masks in the truck they're like oh and like and like yeah it's not just like the story and the structure it's like how nolan shoots he's trying to shoot right like man mm-hmm. and like i think right. it's Right. I just, you it's know, not like shot I... like a superhero flick at all, especially of the time yeah, that we're absolutely. used to, you know, like what, how like Sam Raimi or X-Men or Marvel's doing it. Yeah. It's like he's clearly building towards a crime thriller genre yeah. with Batman. I have a lot of I have a lot of Christopher Nolan hot take uh, trilogy, but also we should save it for another. I'll come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel. See, this is what happens. You go down this, and now we're in the Dark Knight world. But yeah. Um, I'm a Dark Knight um, Rises guy, just to be clear. That's I think. <laughs> oh wow, interesting. See, like a lot of people, yeah, that's like a, that's a the most hated one. Like, yeah, that's the most Nolan bottom one that I think people like. Yeah, really hate. Um, Have they seen yeah, Interstellar? I'm uh, oh, sorry. Okay, continue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually need to rewatch uh, Interstellar because, um, from what I'm hearing, I used to hate that movie. From what I'm hearing, it's the best Nolan film uh, na- nowadays. So we'll see um <laughs> he opens up with from what i know now from watching the commentary it's the la blue line train 
And I also know from watching the commentary that that is the same train in at the end of Collateral. I don't yeah. know if you you know mm. that, Justin, but I learned that today. Yeah, um, they're wearing the same suit as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff like that um, in the Michael Mann commentary. Uh, I'm especially if you're like. I'm just a nerd for like where they shot things in LA. Like I know what highway now that um, Pacino is chasing De Niro after to for to prelude the diner scene. I believe it's like the 105 south towards LAX um, or something yeah, like that. That feels um, right. Yeah, but basically the movie opens. There's a um, that and you are just kind of jumped into the middle of a um, in the middle of a heist being executed. Um, Robert De Niro walks into a uh, hospital and jacks a um, an ambulance. Also, from watching the commentary, I now know that Robert De Niro in the scene does not even touch the door. He uses his elbow to like he is that mm-hmm. thorough of a guy. Uh, Neil McCauley is that thorough um, <laughs> of a cr- of a crime character that he's just you know he's covered you know he covers all his bases. He is right. a um, very he's a professional. Like, yeah, he's a, they are these guys are these guys are pros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is, I think, um, things that you, you can immediately say is so cool about this movie is that you are just watching guys that who are Hollywood actors seem appear as like very real, experienced, uh, trained crime professionals. I think the first thing that really pops out in the opening, really. 10 20 minutes of the movie is like one like the hyper competency of everybody which is like a michael mann yeah. staple yeah. right but the thing that i was really taken with on this view and i watched it with someone who had never seen heat before just to kind of get like see what their responses are to things and the one thing we kept i kept thinking like wow it really doesn't tell you what's happening like i feel like i'm so used to like right he, like you are always a, a like half step behind you get there fast yeah but he doesn't hold your hand you don't quite know why mm-hmm. like Val Kilmer is buying dynamite and like you don't know what's important until <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes later so he's trusting you to do the work yeah mm-hmm. but like I feel like if you were to show modern audiences now people are like what like you know like that's the first thing we right. get to cut like you're like we don't need this scene or like I don't like well, right. why like you don't see a call yeah. between them and so like that's what I'm really I, and I've with. noticed this with movies in the 90s like there yeah. is a there is a like trust between the filmmaker and the audience to like that they're going to figure it out because they actually watch a lot of movies back right. then. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, and they are interested, you know, and they have the, um, you know, the um, attention span and just like mental capacity, visual literacy, whatever you want to call that. Right. Um, and, and like, yeah, this, this movie is just intro introing a bunch of different people. You know, Al Pacino who plays Lieutenant Vincent Hanna is in his bed with Charlene um they're having sex and he has shown that and they show in this scene that he is only what he is going after you you find that like uh in this movie there's like a lot of little there's there's just so many little things that call back to like who these characters are um always just like little things that represent um each each character pretty much and then Nat- Natalie Portman is introduced as the daughter Lauren Gustafson who has incredible OCD about her father, um, her real father coming to visit. And like, it's basically alluded to the fact that Charlene and uh, Vincent Hanna have had each multiple like marriages before this, and it's not going well. This current one is not going well. 
I was I was taking note of like you know like there's a thing and fathers are never la- around in Michael Mann movies and so my yeah. question that I, is on not to borrow from is like a little unnatural is like does Pacino have kids from another marriage or do you think Natalie Portman's like the first time he's interacted has a child in his life with something right else? yeah, oh, yeah I don't know. He, he definitely yeah. he definitely I don't know he definitely could have um yeah I I feel like but would it matter because he's always doing. This, right no like you know? yeah. but it's interesting to watch like it you know for him care about this kid right like where it's like it's a it's a great humanizing yeah. tactic right, right? it is but, it is but in general like I, I was watching it through his character i was like well if he's been married three times and nothing about him says he uses a condom in theory like i should have like <laughs> <laughs> have at least one or two children but the way he's attentive i've always sort of thought i was like oh that's the first one and it was only till this time around that like i think man would have yeah mentioned that he has kids at some point from somewhere else right this is him like um trying his best oh and i can confirm because uh, i've read heat, heat the two. two the novel yeah. and he does yeah. not have children and it's like he's in it in the like before yeah Charlene. yeah and i don't know if you uh and john i don't know if you know this but i'm sure i think justin and i do it's that basically all these characters um have incredible backstories um written about them to prequel all of them and uh, a lot of that is actually written in the book heat 2 um which is basically a prequel to this movie um so i don't know if anyone's interested in that is it a prequel justin like it's it is, in the it, past right so it's it's a prequel and a modern so like i would the book is interesting if you're a michael mann fan because it's really a sequel to all his um not like all his movies so like Val Kilmer's character is kind of the main character in Heat right. 2. And he's yeah. basically Black Hat and a little bit Feral <laughs> and Miami Vice. So like it, right. it really does feel like it that like there's a sequel to those movies, and then we get Vincent Hanna and uh Neil McCauley's um like backstory and how they right. Also... Like the, he's doing work in Chicago and stuff like that, which is yeah. Neil. I think the every single character is based off someone real that Michael Mann researched about. And I, I was watching the commentary today and there's even like a giant backstory um, for Robert De Niro's um, woman in this. Like uh, there's a huge <laughs> backstory that he wrote about how she's from like Carolina or something like that. Um, and like, which is a, an area that is known for like, I think good food and furniture and also would, and is why it's influenced for graphic design, all that, <laughs> all that stuff. And that's why she went to New York for graphic design. Yeah. Like wow. I, so like the other thing about heat that like, you can like, it's Michael Mann's like, he has all that research, all that texture that why I am very jealous and would love to do that. I don't have the time or the budget or I'm lazy to do it so it is one of the things i love about his movies but i think the other thing like i sometimes want like i know when i was a younger filmmaker and i would watch heat and it's still like an overwhelming masterpiece but like he did try to make this movie like four times like he did it as a tv show pilot i don't know if you do that like there's an la like like which i've seen i've seen the pilot Uh, um it's the friend of mine had a bootleg of it and it's perverse in that like it is both looks like and feels like heat but has everyone in the wrong roles it's so weird (laughs) yeah and uh michael mann of course yeah he started in television which is um so interesting because um yeah it he's a filmmaker who ended up like having like really no at least his movies show that there's no restrictions at all and he started out in television where there's nothing but 
Yeah. Until nowadays, it would have been perfect for him to. Yeah, exactly. This is Michael Mann's era of television. Yeah, well, right. Well, this is my. I, I, you kind of send me up. I don't, not even on purpose, but like my. The thing that I feel is my. It's not a hot take, but the thing I like. Heat is like this incredible movie that so many people cite and love, and I would say only really Christopher Nolan is the only guy I can think of. You know, there's the there's bank robbing movies that like yeah. the town, but like there are very few movies that try to like copy den of thieves obviously is trying to be you know mountain dew heat um but uh <laughs> i think michael mann's heat its gigantic biggest influence is on television i think it is fundamentally the most influential movie to television for the the run of the great television era of like 99 to like now i guess right like so like name some shows that you mean breaking bad sopranos deadwood oh rescue me i mean any biggest ones because like here's what i mean by that so like i i i I think i know where you're going with it because like you basically look at the first 90 minutes of heat and it's strings and strings and strings of storylines right like it's setting up it's setting up there's setting Mm -hmm. up it's setting up the Mm -hmm. kid like we don't need like it's Mm -hmm. just this big it's basically heat is a season of television yeah pushed into a right, three-hour right. movie and i think everyone watched that and like rewatched it and it's slowly and i think it's it's like to me the idea of the dual guy is such a tv concept now of like yeah. you know justified walton goggins and uh to me like this yeah. like the like the good the same flip side of the same coin and that these endless big storylines of all these different things that are all like you can kind of feel it it even sort of operates by the time you're getting to the bank robbery, you feel like you're like, Oh, this is about the ninth or 10th episode of a TV show. Yeah. And, yeah. and then like, it makes sense. Cause he saw it. He tried to do it as a TV show first. And so like, I think to me, like I, it's, it's, it's really, it's influence is just like all over television. Well, you made me think what I thought of um, when mm. you brought that up is like, mm. I'm thinking of uh, the way HBO mm. specifically was doing their shows yeah. Um, a lot of their best ones too, in which it's so many characters, but you're just the wire. Blue, the, also yeah, the wire and the Sopranos, mm-hmm. and you're just connect and how the world eventually connects yeah. um all. And it all does feel in the same world. Like you somehow they connect them, um, basically. Like how at the end how Neil um ends up at the diner where the grill man's working and right. all of a sudden has a gig for him to and he, where he's being abused at that diner. It just all fits um so well yeah yeah does that make some sense to you yeah that's i was gonna yeah kind of go off what luke said that that's so true how you well like what you said how there's all these different characters and storylines and uh it is i think um you know just from watching hbo you see these characters especially the wire which i've started rewatching. Uh, and it's like, who is this guy? Like, what? How? Why am I supposed to yeah. know him? Like, did I yeah. miss him from like an episode before? And then, yeah, somehow they incorporate him into the storyline. Like, and, trust you, yeah, trust you with it. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of have to like just go with it, and you'll find out along the way. Yeah, and, and like the yeah. like the there's something about like the serial killer on the loose that's also Wayne Grow, and like it just right, like the more you right. have, like the Natalie Portman yeah. stand line, and then you also yeah. have the bank. Guy. Van, it's like yeah, Van Zandt. Yeah, you have, yeah. You know. it's like this is how you would structure a season. Like, if you were to prepare a tv show bible it would look identical to heat so the fact right. that i'm like sort of amazed that no one's just trying to do like a bank robbing tv i'm sure they have on um, but just don't i don't know it off the top of my head but like 
it just seems even the way it's shot reminds me of television like television's trying to kind of pull off that kind of cooler blues and grays and whites and mm -hmm. like of of, mm -hmm. of heat yeah no like everyone has their own little story like the grill man is introduced just in the middle of where there's a lot going on all of a sudden you're like all right i guess this guy needs to make parole you know all of a sudden <laughs> you know how's it gonna pay off yeah right exactly but yeah this eventually all builds to the that the the big like scene where they um they systematically have a um a tow truck under a bridge <laughs> off just off venice boulevard and they box it in to just take down this uh uh giant like bank truck they just knock it down and um and there's a like really really like edgier seat seat heist begins um, where Wayne Grow Wayne Grow is like staring down a dude and is forming his own like resentment towards him, mm. um, and uh, Wayne Grow is actually I don't even think he was supposed to be on the heist. Like he's just like they had a guy out, so they pick out a random yeah. guy. But basically, everything in this heist is worked out. They know they're even counting down. They're even counting down the police response time as it's going on, and uh, really like. Wayne Grove is the wild card in the whole thing that messes up the perfect um, plan. Yeah, it's actually interesting. I didn't really realize how much this random character that kind of gets thrown into their mix just changes the course of uh, everything that happens after this in the movie. And yeah, I think that's that's the thing too. Like, I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, Luke, because there are so many like callbacks. And I think just watching it more you you realize those things uh going through like like even when they when this is i'm jumping ahead slightly but mm. when uh um the detective mentions slick in the beginning yeah and then, I'm, and then yeah. watching it again now i'm like oh they, yeah they talk about that later it's yeah. just yeah yeah all those small details that just lead to something else down the line yeah tom tom sizemore says says slick. slick um yeah i i love yeah and what a badass trio of uh criminals it's de niro tom sizemore and uh val kilmer uh and then danny trejo who is was not was the one like not uh official actor he was discovered in prison i believe by michael mann and then brought out for this role and that's why his name in this is is his name i believe <laughs> well that's like can, can i let me go let me go, go, ahead. You. go so ahead he was discovered like he you got he was it wasn't man but he was like kind of he got out of prison he started acting a bunch he was in fact with a, in a bunch of movies with de niro in the 80s and 90s because there's this sweet story i heard trey hotel about when they were doing heat he kept bringing over de niro coffee and de niro at some point stopped him and was like Hey, you're one of the leads now. They bring, they get us coffee. Like he had like oh, good wow. jump to level, <laughs> but he was always like you know gangster number two. And then like it was yeah. to like the 2000s that we learn his name. It is one of the weirdest things that he does it that he calls him Trejo and like not like, <laughs> like it, yeah. it would have been fine if he hadn't become famous. I think, but now it's like really weird. To, you're like, I yeah, feel like you should have given this dude a name. I think right. Like, he has <laughs> like all these other characters with like very full names sound yeah. like real people of large backstories and and he, you can tell he's like really likes michael mann likes calling neil mccauley neil mccauley all the time yeah. you know he, and he calls them by their full names yeah 
constantly. I should do that. That's a good trick that he does. Like the like the fact that I know like so many Vincent. You have to with that many characters, but like Vincent Hanna, like you say, yeah, Pacino's character's name. Like I don't know the name of his teammates that, but like you know, no, no, I don't think you do. But Chris Sherilis, you know, Roger Van Zant, yeah. But Alan like I... Marciano, who is played by Hank Hank Azaria, um, I just oh, yeah. realized. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Basically, Wangro kills the guy, and then uh, that's like the and they have they're forced to kill everyone else. And then uh, later on, Pacino discovered that you know Pacino's basically has to go like look at the scene, figure out what they all did, and it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like um, what's that one? Ah, oh, man, what's what's that one really broy? like kind of memed crime like movie with Willem Dafoe as the detective again. Philip and die in LA? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. It's not it's like not like that. As oh, are you talking about like Boondock Saints? Boondock Saints, no. yes. yeah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember in Boondock Saints, but like this kind of reminds like, this He's like doing yeah, that. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. And also in Boondock Saints there's a scene where Willem Dafoe is always like, All right, here's what happened here. And he like goes through just everything that happened in um each crime scene he finds as if like it's no big deal for him as if they're not behind you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i mean the criminals anyways but that's what pacino basically does in that first in that first scene um is just like very he just knows everything immediately off of first glance of what went down well cuz it's got you got to mirror the hypercompetency, right? Like he's got to yeah, be yeah. as good mm-hmm. and He's as good as them basically. Yeah. Yeah, and like his t- and like it's I was really taken this time around why how like you get that they're obviously both the good and bad guy, right? You know like they have their team that's identical to their team, right? Like down to like there's mirrors of almost every character. They go out to dinner, like it's like Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he's obviously doing that, but it it's sort of shocking how much like it cuts back and forth. And you're like, to the point that like, if you didn't really know who Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are, is that like, you'd get kind of confused to like mm-hmm. which team this person's on. They all kind of right. have goatees and kind of talk the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They all have yeah. New York accents for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I think like in this, the police are, I don't know. I, I've always taken this from it. Um, I don't know if you guys do, but it's that the police criminals are really at the same yeah outside of the killing outside of the outright direct terrorism that is at the end the police and the criminals are very much on the same playing field like they know um, how each other operate and everything they complete each other as they would say yes yes they need need each other 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 to function they feed off of each other's action like even when i find when i'm watching the big shootout i'm always kind of like well, the police are the ones like pursuing it. Yeah, like, no, the cops, the, the cops, the cops are in the wrong in that shootout. Like, there's just right. Like, they you know. are creating the war zone. Like, they could just yeah. let them go, and yeah. you can make the argument that the police are responsible for all. Oh, the deaths I don't think they get I, I think they'd yeah. all. Vincent Hanna has lost his job. It's like you let them leave with the money. Like the money's right. replaceable. But like human life, they kill like it, again. It's one of those things I think about all the time with action movies because like I consider myself like that's the thing I'm most interested in is like horror and action and like the key to a really great action movie is you have to kill a lot of cops. I think the truly great great yeah, action movies yeah. mm-hmm. really and I think that says something fundamentally about action movies while they're often about cops 
I think the best ones are also kind of get know that we want to see the thrill of the cops all getting killed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> Great action movies the, are ACAB, obviously. That's and all. the character gets to say, you know how many cops you killed today, you know, right. that sort of thing. Yeah, they're, like, it's their stories side by side. Like, De Niro's planning the next job. He meets a girl. And then Pacino is, like, fighting them Losing. out. And he's going into criminal underworlds, like, constantly and acting as street, more street. While, like, Neil McCauley acts very, like, um, I don't know, like... Maybe not sophisticated, but reserved, like, maybe? very yeah. reserved. Yeah, because he's not trying to he's trying to be smart. And I feel like everyone Pacino's talking to is very out there criminal, unlike him, you know. And so I think now is the time to talk about the most important thing that comes out. I think within those after you first meet Al Pacino on the crime scene that I think is a disservice. It's like I think to me, one of the things Michael Mann does wrong in the movie, if I can point to one thing which is everyone talks about Al Pacino going over the top, you know, at certain points. And certainly throughout his career, he's done it. But like, you know, there's a bunch of instances in Heat. They're kind of my favorite scenes. Right. But like, you know, from the commentary, he, him and Al Pacino decided that character was take doing cocaine. The shipping the cocaine, like, yeah. 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 And I feel like knowing that, like having a moment in the movie where we see him do it would explain, I think for years people were always like, what is, why is he screaming? Yeah. Like the, like, There's a confusing performance out of it because yeah. of it. Um, But like, yeah. John, did um, you know that about the performance and the character? No, I didn't. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah if it's you, um, if you watch say like heat this many years later with old Pacino and De Niro, like there's a big, uh, famous like soundbite where Pacino's like, I decided he was chipping cocaine. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> way he could be like this, pretty much. Um, and it's kind of like I've known through like like I've known vice cops who work overnights, and like they all kind of have to because like you're basically chasing down criminals at the height of like you like the only way to kind of function through that is that's like I think that's such a high burnout in that job, and that like yeah. I've always I always uh, really appreciated that line uh, in it's a little later when like De Niro's getting like the file on Al Pacino's Vincent Hanna from like John right, Boyd right. and he's like mm-hmm. does it seem like a guy who's staying home at night like is he, yeah like, yeah he likes to stay home yeah 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 and I and like one that you know thematically works but also two it's like yeah because he's like he's just not nonstop roving and I think the, like but I do feel for years the like the Pacino's performance was. For, for like, the showdown that the movie's supposed to be, like, you know, it is, like, I think you can't undersell what a big deal the them sitting down to have a scene together was, probably, mm-hmm. in 1995. Right, right. I think Pacino's, like, as, as a Pacino defender, as the better actor, I feel like he's a little hamstrung, because you half the audience doesn't know he's decided the character's doing a ton of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it creates these very weird, um, just these weird scenes where he makes these choices that you don't that you don't understand he'll just like talk like strange or with a different tone to try to like match like the criminal he's speaking to yeah. and um he and, and actually i feel like his performance can be just a reel of great comedy scenes because oh, yeah. of this choice and you know there's the you gotta he's got a great ass or yeah, give me yeah. everything you got and yeah he's the one I, the one i shout a lot and I actually for once had a setup in my life i was so happy i was like i had coffee with him half an hour ago half an <laughs> hour ago yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's like whoa why like what a wave of yeah. energy uh. <laughs> yeah. and it's literally the first scene he's made with a criminal and uh 
and he's trying to meet with his brother, I think, or something like that, who yeah. eventually tells him about Slick and um yeah. and he's like <laughs> he's holding back on him just a little bit give me all you got like, yeah. give me everything you got and i'm like it's like whoa it's just like so out of nowhere the editing on that's pretty wild too if you like having watched it enough times you're like oh they were matching different audio because they're cutting to his over the shoulder in a way that man i don't think would have been as cross-cutty as he is because like he's probably doing something different in every take because he's al pacino um, <laughs> yeah he's way he wasn't ready for that specific thing yeah yeah like because it's like it's clearly shot with three cameras and he's like you know doing this and moving around and then and then like you can tell they're like kind of jumping all mm-hmm. around just to kind of cover yeah. his insane performance yeah and and then my favorite pacino um i think my favorite pacino line is always um when he says like the postmodernistic bullshit house yeah. like yeah. you can't watch my te- television set that's and he's just mm. like keeps telling the guy sit down <laughs> a guy that recently a friend of mine texted me and was like uh you know who you look like and i was like who and they're like ralph from heat and i was like i'll take it sandra Berkeley. oh my oh, god wow i'll take it i'll take it <laughs> there's worse there's worse comparisons um no it's <laughs> Cause like I, I don't know like I again I think I think Pacino's I think he doesn't work if he's not like it's again it's the yin yang like like if if right. if he's mm-hmm. gonna be that if De Niro's gonna give that performance then someone else has to bring life or right. it is mm-hmm. it does turn into a Christopher Nolan like it's why the Joker performance <laughs> makes sense because it's kind of the Al Pacino performance right it, or yeah like, yeah yeah it really um, is yeah yeah you need that you need that wildness in there mm-hmm. yeah and then um De- i don't know de niro's is totally something different i think maybe like i think i might prefer it um just because i find i like the subtleties of it a lot um and i think this is a de niro movie where he's just gets to exude his brilliant badassery as much as possible like maybe with like this and jimmy conway or something like that but i, I yeah. think like de niro's great at like being like reserved and doing things like um you know doing this doing simple things like uh you know telling val kilmer's wife like you know you know get cleaned up go home get cleaned up go home just some stuff that's so cars they have our plates yeah Yeah, right right it's i mean it's the classic de niro performance as well like i think that's the other thing like they're both doing a, a inversion of their own cliches. Like there's not that much difference between Jimmy Conway right. and yeah. Midnight Run and Casino. And yeah. Yeah. this is why I've always been more a Pacino guy. Cause at least there's a certain variance, but there's no denying how right. great Robert De Niro is like. Right. And um, I, I was talking about like, I was, I remember I was talking on one episode about, uh, uh, Man, I can't remember films today. Um, the Hoo Ha movie. Um, oh, Son of a Woman. Son of a Woman. Son, yeah. I was talking about that, and I was like, I remember saying like, oh man, like it's just Pacino is is always like kind of doing his thing. He's always like kind of good, but like when he's in, it depends what vehicle he's in. And in that movie, he's in a very like just kind of confusing vehicle, but in Heat, where it works for him or something like. Um, yeah yeah oh yes or like de palma's movie he did um like that that's the right vehicle for him to do 90s pacino you know it is like i think a lot of this a lot because like i think pacino got stuck somewhere like in the like 
after Scarface and then the like, like, you know, it's sort of like the bigger than life. And I think obviously I think Al Pacino likes cocaine um, himself. <laughs> but like De Niro also sort of like stays in this repetitiveness. It's just not yeah. as noticeable. Like, I mean, to me. Right. Because it's not out there. It's not as aggressive, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. Like I, I, I tend to like the performers that are willing to do something a little more and take it's it's but it all depends on the calibration of the movie, right? So like I think Nicolas Cage is one of the great actors, but you put Nicolas Cage yeah. in the wrong movie, you're like, what is right. he, why is he like this? Yeah. And so but then you put him in a like you know like Al Pacino and Heat where this whole world is huge and it totally kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. But like you're saying, mm-hmm. like instead of a woman it doesn't work. But like he's such a fascinating actor to me because like he sort of comes up through doing the reverse. He's doing this like inverted slow. I mean, the Michael Corleone is like a guy who like shows no emotion. Yep. Like, you know, well, and, he's almost doing Neil McCauley. Um, right. And like, and like De Niro yeah. comes up doing taxi driver and me, Johnny boy. Yeah. And Street, so yeah. Are these like very wild. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then, it's... yeah, they've almost, yeah, they almost they came. They did flip. Yeah. It's like cocaine came out around that time and they chose different paths. <laughs> yeah. De Niro started with cocaine and then, you know, um, yeah. Pacino ended with it. Yeah. yeah both yeah. of their runs. Yeah. Um, um, they also both played the devil, which I think is kind of fascinating. So, what, what, which is De Niro's devil? Angel Heart. I've uh, not seen that. It's, it's okay. It's very, it's, it's, it's a slow burn devil, which is why De- Pacino does the better devil. But, Slow burn <laughs> devil. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love the scene where De Niro's, um, he's at the bookstore and um, he's like a book about, a book about metals. metals and yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the book is called, I have it written down even. Stress fractures. <laughs> Stress fractures and titanium. Yeah. <laughs> Stress fractures and titanium. And... I mean, the, the nice thing about my age bracket is like heat at a certain point became a movie for th- men in their 30s that quote all these like bizarre because like there is all these like really like weird little moments in heat like like the fact that like you know he's like whatever when she like kind of express interest in him he's like why do you care what i do lady yeah it's like (laughs) yeah why you care about what i read or what i do do, yeah he immediately (laughs) thinks he's being he's being like attacked or some or someone's like spying on him or I, something like that i do love that the scene like right i think it's right after that is like they go to her her his deck and are just staring yeah. out at like la mm-hmm. and it reminds me of, like little kids looking at the stars like one day i want to yeah. go there the planet i'm gonna go to, and, right. like you right. know they're never gonna get there there's like this is a real innocent it's like because yeah. like neil mccauley is like you know, in theory, he's like the same character James Conn plays in Thief. So he's like been in and out of a prison. Yeah, he's never yeah. really like, right. He's yeah. never felt love. He's never had. Mm-hmm. And so like there is something childlike about him that they kind of hide really mm-hmm. well in Heat. But I do yeah. think there's this like he's it's really like when confident. he finally is a person. Yeah. You know, when he's not just planning crime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he is very, he is, yeah, he's back to like a teenager pretty much, you know. Dude probably hasn't had a girlfriend in God knows when because he's, you know, the no attachments guy, you know, yeah. so, yeah. You know, I feel he's a lot of escorts and prostitutes kind of guy, I feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, hey, don't look at what I do, you know. Which is also <laughs> why I think this would be, particularly for men of a certain age in the early 20s, like really you're like, oh yeah, you know, like, like yeah, yeah. Describing... Ones who are lonely just because they're lonely. John, you were you describing know? being at your house, like a home right. in Iowa and just having yeah. movies. You're like, 
in your in your way, you're living the Neil Macaulay you're life. One and, of the and, and, and we are here, we are one of the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting here going, I have a great life, and I'm like, oh, it'd be really cool to just have a shit apartment again where I just watch movies all day. And uh, I wish I didn't have all this nice furniture. I wish I didn't have an amazing <laughs> wife and cute pets and friends and make movies. No, no, no. No, atta- no attachments. Yeah. I should clutter this place up a bit more, you know? Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> No attachment, so you can't walk. Yeah, it's it also is a movie that says the movie in the title for, and which for a great movie that rarely works. Like you know, like when you feel the heat around right. the corner, like he right. actually they actually say it, which I, I think doesn't always work in movies when it when it happens. No, no, because <laughs> it's because that's that line is just very well. It's just great writing, you know. Yeah. Like yeah, thirty seconds flat till you feel the heat coming around the corner. Um, yeah, yeah, and Val Kilmer, of course, is a He's a degenerate gambler um, <laughs> who uh, just cleans all the money he does from heists out. And then he has his wife who's kind of trying to um, level him up and like, you know, I guess actually save some <laughs> some of that money. Um, and he and basically he, unlike uh, De Niro, is like very attached to his like his his wife who. There's a backstory on how they met when she was a prostitute in, I believe, Las Vegas. Um, I think. Yeah, that comes up in Heat Two as well. A little like her, like he yeah. tries to read, like she's back in Vegas. I think. Um, can I? The one of the weirdest things, because like, again, Michael Mann's not a human, so he doesn't know how humans work. Um, but I, I mean, that says <laughs> he's trying he's, to figure. He's trying, he's trying to right? Show like, yeah. Uh, with sincere love is uh, he says he bet on the Super Bowl. No gambler ever bets on the like that's the most lopsided game almost especially in the 90s like ever like it's like it's so insane. <laughs> like one other thing i forget like the two biggest things you could yeah you would no one bets the yeah. super bowl like everyone bets it in that like it's everyone puts 20 bucks on it but you don't go all in on a super bowl game because it's like the most <laughs> and I, that, idiotic thing <laughs> yeah so i was like oh he's just a really bad game but it's like you know uh michael mann doesn't know about sports betting like that's not his thing i can't pitch or he got really into it he's into horse racing as we know but like um yeah that's that's one thing that every time i'm like you bet on the super bowl it always catches me like that and i always try to figure out how close that house is to the boogie knight's house because i feel like they're in the same block you mean kilmer's house yeah yeah that strikes me as a valley pool house oh it's definitely (laughs) it's definitely a valley pool yeah yeah and then de niro has like two houses he has the house that overlooks los angeles and then the malibu house i think that or is is that her house above sunset plaza uh, yeah it's her that's her house above sunset plaza okay that's what i've always viewed that but it's like wow she affords that on a book man the 90s were that's what i'm saying she's like it's just what i rent out yeah like (laughs) Um, but I guess get, if I can go off plot, I think the one of the things I truly adore about Heat and like I think it's one of those things where like you start to like don't realize how it, it's like. I'm sure you know this from the commentary loop, but like that movie, it's like 75 locations, and like yeah. Michael Mann went to his like scouting team and was like, I don't want to see one location that's been used in a movie before. Like he's like, uh, oh. wow. yeah, I didn't know that, but that, that <laughs> this is like does feel like underworld like real la like yeah. the what the side like that they you don't want like the non-rich non-glamour side that they don't want to see right. in the movies like opposite of entourage type thing like everything's like industrial gritty um yeah, yeah. feels like and, a city not like some you know magical right. place where 
right. well, people's I'm, dreams are coming true or being and checked. i think <laughs> and i think that's the addiction i got from michael Mann. like i love shooting industrial if you see my show i love shooting industrial spaces yeah. wastelands yeah. like mm-hmm. the like ugliness is the thing i feel most inspired by but like as i think about this movie like everything's like a freeway the airport empty yeah. warehouses yeah. skylines they're all places where nothing stays just like our, like they're constantly in motion there's no settling Right, you know, they're, like their it's airports take the you go. warehouse. It's an on trains. the go thing. Always. Yeah. yeah, and so the characters never get to rest because they are no. always in motion. And I think that's no. like, and I think that's sort of like the Michael, Ma- like that's kind of all his movies. Like that's like the overriding like point is that they're you know we meet Neil, he's on a train. Like yeah. you mm-hmm. know Al Pacino is in stasis when we meet him, and by the end, yeah. not right. Like you and, know, and there's always those great over the shoulder like. Oh shots where they prop it over Pacino as he's pulling up to another place yeah. and it and I, it almost gives it that big what well, like we were saying of the cocaine energy it's like yeah. all right we're back with cocaine driver over here you know he's he's at another location yeah it's all because they're all all the characters are forever in transit right you're never mm-hmm. stuck like you don't want to yeah. be stuck so the biggest fear in a Michael Mann movie is that you can't escape right so like yeah I know. No, I, I really was thinking about this from my perspective too, because yeah. I was noticing this exact thing, and I was like, "God, man! Like, being that I have had days where I'm just doing nothing but driving in LA, I'm just like, this is just looks so exhausted, you know? Like, Trejo has to like, he's been trying to dump his, you know, his tail, and now he's got to take them to Ventura or whatever. That's right. where is he gonna go when he gets there? You know, all that stuff. There's also like a running. I'm not the first person to pick up on notice this but like there's a running theme through all a man's work of like one obsession with water as a play, thing of freedom right like they're always he's always sta- people are always staring yeah. at water right because yeah. it's the opposite of where they are but everyone's always trapped in an aquarium like so neil's house is an aquarium yeah yeah charlene's house or like the one he pacino lives in his glass everywhere the police precinct's room is an aquarium um i was trying to think there was like if there was any more like i would even say um trejo's house at the end with all the windows is like a you know like the banker's yeah. house is definitely all yeah. in everyone is yeah. stuck in their aquarium staring at water is like that's why the heat is like this like the ultimate michael mann movie because right. it's like all these we're watching all these fishes in different tanks yeah trying and to see if they can escape jamie fox in collateral jamie fox has the the island top of his cab yeah yeah insider um, you know, he Al Pacino walks out into the water to try to like save the guy, uh, Russell Crowe at the last second. Thief and Manhunter are filled with it. Like, my, like Manhunter, he lives on a beach, so he's dragged back, and then he lives in all these glass places. He breaks through the guy. Like, they're always like, that's the stuff that as a director I'm fascinated by. I was like, how much is he aware that he's doing the same thing, or like, mm-hmm. how much uh-huh. do you know? Like, Subconscious, so, like yeah, what he likes. So, yeah. So like, uh. The guy who edits a lot of my short films is probably a bigger man obsessed than me. Uh, Mar- Eric Marsh, who I think taught. Yep, he's school, a DePaul right? uh, yeah. guy. Yeah. And he pointed out, he was just like, he's like, I love that all your movies end the same way. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he just like pulled <laughs> up the ends of all three and they're all like industrial <laughs> landscape standoff. And I was like, fuck. I was like, I'm not like, I'm never actively thinking to end that way. It just keeps happening. Yeah, the the couple a couple of short films I've made, there's always a couple some bummy guys on the couch at one point. Every yeah. single one has some guys on the couch. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're telling your truth. You're real. You're exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, the yeah. cinnabon is what that is. It is. That it's is. back to that. It's back to this. It's all ties but it all like, together. 
Yeah. You know, me and Luke, there's a short like Luke wrote for me that I want to direct soon. And like the first thing I said, I was like, let's drain the pool. Like I was like, like, I'm always just like, no I'm, water, like, no water. Can we take <laughs> yeah. something that was like set around up? There's like a pool in it. And I was like, ah, oh, let's empty it. Cause that's uglier and grosser and true. And like, it hits like, yeah. I think that is what, like you were saying, like you, <laughs> like you're interested in like seeing the real yeah, the pretty parts. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's. such a man michael mann thing but it's also such just like i think that's one of the things we love about heat is that it looks like again like tv looks more like our life like i think movies are often aspirational where tv is certainly trying to sell aspirational but tries to look like our life Mm -hmm. definitely like we're back to the hbo shows and everything we're saying um so i guess where we're at now is like we can get we can go to where the uh, police have finally identified some of the, the crew right. and they're watching them get out of dinner and they're like, Oh, that's Chris Sherilis, You know, that's, um, that's Mike, that's Michael Sherito. And, and they're going through the backstory of everyone. Like he did serve time here, did gigs here, blah, blah, blah. And um, they identify everyone, but then they're like, who's that? And it's De Niro and they have nothing on him because De Niro's just, basically been such a ghost and Mm. he's like we got nothing on him he's like well get on him (laughs) (laughs) i uh yeah yeah that's what that has like like one of my like like that's the classic because like right from there they go to the the cops are at dinner right like it's one of the weird like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. it is Um, it's a very similar scene for sure I, i love like all the adoration of like Pacino at De Niro, like I like the one I like to quote all the time is like their mo is that they're good, like that's yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that they're, they're good, yeah. <laughs> Once <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah yeah. I say that about other that... filmmakers all the time when I see their short. I was like, what's their mo? They're good. Like, oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I, I I love the um the fact that they're just through the you know the cat and mouse tale that begins. It they're just impressed with yeah. each other you know yeah. the, how the slow discovery of how they know that the other is like very good and how it ends up being this like i don't know fun game out of it oh yeah, yeah. they respect the game and, and, and so basically then they get to that scene where uh they're watching them through the trucks and um the guy like you know bumps you know he just sits down too hard De Niro is like so alert that he notices that there's something iffy about the trucks. And he's like, we, we walk, we walk, which it kind of reminds me of actually like, um, I don't know, like say you're being on, you're on set or something like that. Yeah. And you, they're, you know, they're on, you're on take four or five and you're the person who makes noise and the sound person and everyone gets mad at you or, or something like that. I don't know. I guess I, I, I took a lot of like, film freelancing i related to a lot of watching this movie again i don't know it just all, just the, all movies are about making movies there's no in a way that i really felt that because you feel like you're you know you have a team you have a crew you're like wayne grow wayne grow is someone that no one knows who came on because they just had to get someone that day you know what yeah. i mean he's like oh if it, if this job goes well i'll work with them again you know that sort of thing i just really related as someone who's done film freelance that guy's a key grip of the I've heist met one yeah yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure he's got his vape and no i think i like uh, I, it's definitely always about filmmaking i like it's one of the things i think nolan didn't realize that he's taking from it because like i think nolan is like the guy who makes the most movies about 
filmmaking like, like right, i mean right. oppenheimer couldn't be more clearly about yeah you know, yeah, like, yeah yeah that 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 is the the writer's room of the nuclear bomb the, right the, there. yeah well yeah. there's there's that line in oppenheimer where they're like you know like uh you're a great improviser but you can't do it all in your head and i've had 80s shout that at me like it's like i was like okay that's oh, wow. like I, I was like yeah you're right i this is and like you know inception's very up but like i think man is definitely yeah, inception like, is the most like this is a filmmaking thing too yeah yeah but like you're right, like you know they have these plans that he's like you know mm -hmm. very precise. We want to do yep. it like this, and then yep. yeah, like there is something yeah. about that guy knocking it over that feels very much like just annoyed. It's like the boom mic operator, like yeah, like you know that the whole police force is pissed at that guy. Uh, if like they weren't, the, if it was on Neil's end, they would probably like they'd probably just punch the shit out of him. You know, <laughs> seriously injure him. It also has that beautiful like close up from the heat vision staring right, right at Pacino's. Mm -hmm. It's like it's one mm -hmm. of my favorite just like cinematic big moments like just and it's almost that... like they're looking at each other for the first yeah, time. It is. Yep, yeah it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pacino recognizes that he's Neil's noticed um basically too. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those yeah. great like and again it's a scene that like shouldn't be that interesting. Like we've seen the scene of before but like it stops. He builds a poetry to it. He builds like with mm -hmm. them staring into each other's eyes mm -hmm. for the first time. There is that just like awkward chance of like, oh, the fucking fucking the guy bringing you know, like, yeah. the key grip was telling a story mm -hmm. and sound picked it up. And now that beautiful take is blown, you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's a really good call. Out. I like that. And there's a great shot of Pacino. It's one of my favorite shots, I think, of the movie. It's when Pacino gets out of the truck after it happens. And he's just kind of walking around, looks so exhausted um, from this whole thing. And the light, the light is so great. It's like, I think, sunset or sunrise in L.A. or something like that. And then he just kind of tosses like his walkie or something to the other dude. And he's like, back to work. You know, you, I, I, I love that moment. You know why you love that moment? I've thought about this because I love that moment, too. That is the exact moment of someone who stayed up too late to watch a movie four in the morning and saw sunlight coming up and we don't throw a gun we just throw the remote and we're like i guess i gotta go to sleep or start it all, like, it all it comes is, back to our cinema, lives, no, like, I, yeah. like i don't i don't think that's what michael Madden, but like that moment always feels like me watching heat till two in the morning going like why did i stay up so late right. and like yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. kind of tired and you're like mm -hmm. and i think because it's that beautiful like it's definitely early morning um it's such a great shot. Like that's a, mm -hmm. that's such a it's one of my favorites. I think the next big scene is they're in that industrial barge area. Yeah, and the wire season two area. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the docks area, yeah. and uh, um, and then the, it's the misdirection of like the, uh, of the we just got made scene. Yeah, which is another one of my favorite scenes, and like especially the um, the music drop. Oh, um, yeah. The music drop um, as uh, he's taking pictures of them, and Pacino's just like, ha ha, and just like pointing out, very good, <laughs> you know, and like like you the know what they're looking the at, police yeah. department, yeah, LAPD. You know, 
yeah, it's one of my all time. You also we skipped over in between that has the ultimate yeah. Tom Sizemore moment. I think. Oh the yes, most, yes, yeah, yes, of course. The action, course. the action uh, is the juice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, he's like, hey, do you know? Is is this the best thing to do? <laughs> is this and, the best thing? And he's like, you don't have to. You have plenty of good finance. You're you're doing very well financially right <laughs> now. You don't need this. Like, um, I think that's what makes him different. He's very honest about it. like he could use Sizemore, right? Like in this, like he yeah, definitely. I, need- I you always, that I think that's really true because I think about that a lot with like I was like wait so he's more put together because his what it's like why are you here like every time I think about being a criminal right um, <laughs> I'm always just like yeah but then it's because it's like it's addicting like I uh, you know like you could just save your money and have a job and be you're like no I gotta make my short film um and I always think that's like the, the the yeah is yeah the, the action like... is the juice it goes back to um connect the dots you could almost yeah. use that as a tag for connect the dots well and it's also as other people have pointed out that there is this tom sizemore who i think is a great one of the great character actors r.i.p passed away this year he takes i don't know 25 seconds of a long pause between like it's like it's the ultimate like look at me I'm opposite of De Niro, and he like takes that long pause. Yeah. Like he eyes. Yeah. Flip, I am he does this, like I am this reckless, like crazy he, motherfucker. He, basically, it's just, it's just such an actor going. The camera's on me. I'm gonna take mm-hmm. all the time in the world to do. Yeah. This. yeah, yeah. I love I love this moment moment so much. Yeah, yeah. The back to back of those, and then they're like, "All right, motherfuckers." When he's like, "Yeah, yeah." It's like that. I quote all the time to myself for no reason. No one knows what I'm quoting, but and then Trejo is <laughs> just like. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> you know, Fuck them. Sizemore just la- just laughs. Yep, and then they do the briefing of Pacino, and you know, with uh, with John Voight. Um, oh yeah, where, he, where he's doing the backstory on him, and I don't know. I guess at this point we should just, uh, we should just kind of skip to uh, the diner scene, um, probably, because that's the next big scene. Unless there's a scene in the middle that you guys are um are interested in um but that's the next one i think of yeah uh, I, I mean it's yeah the diet the diet like it is there is that like kind of this is the the lull right before you know everything's gonna the, yeah. heat up mm-hmm. the, the storm the, yeah. before everyone goes to war yeah uh, i i think when people bring up this movie i one of the first things i always hear is like oh the diner scene's so good everyone just loves the diner <laughs> scene um and so do i of course yeah. um who doesn't and it's not just because it's these two great actors but also they're just i think they're in like you know this huge really like I don't know, strange stopping point in the movie where they're allowed to do something different than they've been doing already in the movie where these two really like different personalities, but also very similar men are like able to connect to each other. And I I think it's like also where like the movie can stop and you're like, all right, this movie's actually like, this movie's like really more where, where everyone realizes this movie's really more philosophical than they realize and how philosophical it's been. Where these two guys are just like, oh, we're the same, you know, <laughs> like where they finally realize it. And they I think it, it's the biggest things where they give themselves that stare when they're like after they say, uh, you know, like, I don't want to do anything else. Neither will I. Neither do I. Or they say I will not hesitate, you know, yeah. like after after that scene. And they just both realize that they're the same type of guy. Um, and then they share these these dreams they're having. I think the dreams is 
I got a lot of thoughts about that scene, but like, the, I think having them talk about dreams is such a clever way to like, there's all the weight of history of cinema of these two sitting down, but also just the movie. Like if it was just like kind of a tense showdown, it would be boring or just yeah, like, yeah. The fact that it's so, um, I don't know. He even like there's tension as he's chasing him down on the LA freeway and you know, Neil has the gun pull out, but then he's just like playfully like, let's get a cup of coffee, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it just shows like the two men are bigger than that. And that like this meeting's about more, much more than that. And um, um, the whole sizing each other up factor, having a real, real conversation, like you never wanted a regular life, barbecues and ball games uh, mm. line. And uh, it it's such a good scene. Like, well, one, something I didn't notice till like, is so the barbecues and ball games is like one everyone I think quotes a lot but like did you ever notice when they're shooting at each other in the supermarket parking lot he shoots up a barbecue uh, <laughs> at the grocery store it's like I all this stuff. like no I didn't that's funny <laughs> um and I, I that that was something I didn't catch to like the 500 viewing and I was like I bet you that was intended I like that's to watch the movie more then um, um the other thing I was going to say is like the little bit of payoff that he finds out he has a woman, right? Yeah. Like a mm-hmm. dinner. And then that's how at the end he realizes that, that like the woman sitting by, like, that's, I think what man wants you to make that connection. I only yeah. know that because of the commentary mm-hmm. that like you see at the end, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but like that, like mm-hmm. that the whole point of sitting down was that they get some tactical knowledge on the other, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, but it really, right. if I may say a theory I have on, all great action, all action movies to some degree are love stories between two men. Um, and they don't know how to process that. I think that's why, like, you know, the, like they're so like the guns is fucking right. Like that's like the very, like the shoot punching. Yeah, like is John McClane really loves Hans Gruber. You know? Yeah. Like, like I think the best action movies sort of function and like heat in particular, you can recut it as a rom-com. They have a meet cute at the job. They like, you know, they're like tracking yeah. each other. Their friends like them together. And mm-hmm. then they sit down and they have this really nice date. And John Voight says like, he, he's got a thing for you. For apparently. You. Yeah. Says like, you're good at this and this and this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it runs through all action. Like, I'm going to fuck you. You know, like it's like, it's, it's <laughs> in everything. And I think it's like now more and more people are recognizing. Cause I've always felt like, musicals and action movies are basically the same like if you can't it, like the rule has i remember from film like being taught was like if you can't uh s- like say it sing it like if you can't and then if you mm-hmm. can't sing it dance it and like a really mm-hmm. action was like i can't say my emotions so we're gonna shoot at each other or fight, so we're right? fight yeah, yeah yeah and so heat has this long wind up and then they give you this moment you're like oh, i need them to be together again and then it's gonna not be right you want, right. right and like I, I don't know I'm like that diner scene I don't know if I can even like add anything to John like how did you like is it one of your favorite scenes in the movie or your favorite or oh yeah I mean I love the the diner scene just just Pacino's casual like he's just chasing this guy down the freeway hey you want to yeah. get a coffee and it's and it's got that great like uh, musical number also the mm-hmm. um which is something that would be seems like it would be in Thief too you know it is the second best diner scene in Michael Mann's career, though. That is my the one in Thief is better. I think. Yeah, because it's the uh, long monologue. It's yeah. a, it's like the, it's two people. It's a guy and a woman. Like it's like it's even more raw and into it. Like it, once again proving my point. It's a moment where two people realize they should be in love with each other, 
once again. Yeah, and that's what James Khan <laughs> will be like, you know, go down and what's he's go gone yeah. down and remembered as, you know, yeah, when there's yeah. a tribute to him. Yeah, and Pacino also says like my life no, my life is a travesty because mm. I'm on my third, my, you know, my marriage, my third, because mm. I spent all my ch life chasing guys like you down. That's my life. And he, and he says like, you've, you must've, you know, gone after some dipshit crews. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah, I've, I've gone after all types. <laughs> it's just nice. They're yeah, kind it's... of uh, like, I don't know. Yeah. Respecting each other through hearing just how, how, similar they really are in their in their lives and they're also like yeah, kind of yeah. mad about like the same thing their personal and... lives are both like non-existent and yeah. yeah they only you, know how to do this you see the work-life balance of both of them uh, <laughs> yeah yeah very, just, yeah exactly yeah the, well, the work part is just a little a little different like neil yeah. don't you ever go see a movie <laughs> like well and also like don't you think they'd be happier with each other the reverse life like it seems like de niro wants uh like a marriage right. and somebody come home to it and like apple it's last almost like it, pacino yeah. doesn't want those attachments for his job yeah, you know? yeah. It's like yeah. yeah and so um, like it's such a great like i don't know it's hard to I remember in one of my um, classes I took in school, you had to like do a scene, like repurpose a scene from a movie or like like that's been done. And I remember someone did this this scene from Heat, and I was like, <laughs> "Your actors aren't Robert De Niro and Al Pacino." Like yeah, it was just yeah. like, "Don't even, don't even try, buddy." Like it's like it's one of those scenes where like I would love to see more scenes where two actors like sit down and have like mm -hmm. it's kind of shocking that you just don't get just two actors sitting and having yeah. five to seven minutes of conversation like whether it's good or uh, bad yeah. it's like give me two movie of, stars having a yeah. conversation and there aren't any other scenes like this in the movie like we say every other scene is like moving as we've said right. it's all moving it's like you're in the middle of something this scene like they're at the beginning they're not even speaking at the beginning at the coffee shop and it's all just basic everyday um conversation and like this movie isn't an Altman. It isn't like it's even though what we're saying about the television influences and yeah. how there's so many different characters and how you are both following these two men, always not in the same room. This scene basically is saying this movie is still about these two men. And um, yeah. And then like, that's why they are brought again together at the end, you know? Are are you uh guys coffee shop guys or diner guys late at night yes, coffee? Yeah, love uh, a diner. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Golden Apple in Chicago was a big one of mine. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of hours there with my brother Jake talking about movies at any hour, you know, of the night. Yeah, that was that's one of the good right ones because like. That one they don't even have the key. They don't. They never closes the golden apple. No, it's a twenty-four hour one. It has that great like on the corner old school diner. Yeah, thing. sodium uh, vapor light all around it. It's great. Never been to the golden apple. Yeah, yeah. Let's check it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that, I I can't. Like, it feels like that like great scene and everything. But I do think that's like how Michael Mann has intimate conversations. Is just like after like leaving the editing bay like let's go have a real heart like like it's like that's the him at his best that's him at his most down earth you know yeah his most vulnerable is at a coffee shop yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that i think that might be true i think so they dump all their surveillance first and i think yeah. neil even like he dumps his car at an airport or something like that where they can't assume surveillance like just some crazy 
thing like that. Um, um yeah, what can we say about this shootout? Okay. Um we'll never see well, a top. Well, first they first they walk into the bank and and he's like, Your mom your money's like don't be a hero, your money's funded by the federal government. Ugh. I think they have um C A R fifteens and bulletproof yeah. vests. So they are um they have like a couple things going for them. They have the fact that the alarms are off. They have the lead on the alarms being off, so they have time. But they're also ready for, and since they are in downtown Los Angeles doing a heist, they are ready um, for this to be an all-out shootout. Um, they're basically dressed for warfare at the beginning of the bank heist. Who who are you rooting for at that point? Are who you am I for rooting Pacino, for? Are Pacino and them? I think find? I'm always rooting for the the people robbing the bank. Yeah. yeah. Every time. Um, as you are most of the time, I think, in most um, bank robbery movies. I mean, but obviously, we haven't gotten to the shootout. You want to see him pull it off. Yeah. 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 And we haven't gotten to the shootout yet. So, like, um, that blurs the line (laughs) tremendously on who you're rooting for. I don't think I'm rooting for anyone. No, no, no. no. I I think um, when the bank, because, like, I find myself lately have drifted more over to Pacino, and I'm like, I just want him to catch, I want him to win. Like, yeah. So, like, I always root for the yeah. bank robbers but i was like that's one of the few where i'm like oh but gee, i want pacino to win i can't let daryl win um yeah and there's also another thing i've like um and this is comes from watching commentary again there's that scene where al pacino um is hugging the mother of the dead prostitute that wango yeah. kills um right. I don't know. I, I I do more recently find an element of humanity to Pacino as Hana, as that he is aware of the basically um, the atrocities of the world and seen all this pain and seeing him like those cocaine scenes. I don't see it as much, but when he is like in this shootout, yeah. um, especially and when he says to Neil McCauley, like if you're if it's between like you and some other guy who you're going to make a widow brother you're going down like i see that he i i do believe like okay maybe he is sometimes a hero (laughs) you know what i mean at least like he has that humanity as a detective yeah it's uh it's one of the rare times i find myself rooting for cops so i I take the chance when i get it i guess Uh, but yeah like there is you because i feel like i have more sympathy for hannah because i know more about him neil the lack of like <laughs> right anything. you see the family the potential to connect to the poor right. man the friends like you like i mean i granted De Niro has friends too but like you yeah. know they're all i mean they're, they're all, all co-workers yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, it's again it's not really at work which again is like a <laughs> film director like the coen brothers say all their friends are people on set or something something like that um <laughs> but yeah you see a home life for like vincent hana when macaulay you're just like i hope he gets to fiji with the graphic design girl you know? yeah <laughs> yeah i want him to pull this off i want him to get the money like let's let's go you know and oh you're also really like i think that's when the oh god the all-state guy dennis haysbert's character yeah like, the all-state you know, guy like, yeah you're like oh i, I yeah. know he's not gonna make you know he's doomed right. the whole movie yeah, but yeah, you're like yeah. when as soon as he's the driver you're like oh yeah no. and that segment we keep going back to the comparison to television but like that is very much like super television. a tragic wire character or something that you're just i don't know like steve buscemi in the sopranos i don't know if you remember yeah. Oh, yeah. him you guys remember his part but yeah. like he gets out of jail and he tries to work 
at a dry cleaner, I believe for like a Korean guy or something like that, have a real job, be straight. And like, it just, it's like way so too hard for him. He ends up like beating the guy to death. And um, Mm -hmm. it's just like the tragedy of someone not being able to fit into regular society when they get out of prison, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's that storyline's heartbreaking. And he's such a great, like able to give you so much empathy in those oh. few scenes, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, those are the worst. It's it's not the worst scenes in the movie. They're just, like, it does feel the most. Him and the Natalie Portman story feels like, mm-hmm. if I had to cut something, I would have cut both of them, you know? Both like, of them, but, yeah. Like, again, I think they both I totally think, work in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think since Natalie Portman has nothing to do. I don't know, though. Like, it, all right, now we're getting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that, like. They each maybe towards the end have their own dramatic, like, um, you know, the connective tissue, the piece to the puzzle, yeah. like they hold it like when him and uh, Charlene have their moment towards the end. It's because you see him bring her, you see, like, bring yeah. her back from her suicide like attempt. Like you see his experience. He's a, he's the right man in the right place for that very dark moment. Right, I kind of right. I like that a lot, too. But then again, him and Charlene don't need maybe don't need to talk again. Maybe that's just a rehash of their early conversation that we didn't also didn't cover, which I really like a lot too. Where she kind of just she kind of just lays it all out what kind of guy he is, and um, he kind of says like that's because I need my angst. I preserve it, keeps me sharp, and. I don't know. I, I know you guys, as as someone who's in a relationship, I watched that scene. I was like, God, if I said that, that, that it would be over. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, that like... is one of those. I also Michael Michael had been married for forty years, which I find very uh, endlessly like funny <laughs> based on all his movies. Um, I actually did look up his, his um personal life because I wanted. Yeah. And all it says on Wikipedia is he has a daughter who's a filmmaker. But I was like, has this guy has as many marriages as Vincent Hanna? I would no. Be he's been married to the same. That. I've uh, read. There's like I have a, like a Tashin book on him, and like we talk about it. his wife was a yeah. pain, is a painter. Um, yeah. Um. No, but that scene in particular, like I think it's a really great monologue. She like lays out in front of that like angst, you know, like to yeah. like. Put you, but it's also one of those lines where I watch now that I'm like, this is just the screenwriter writing. Like this is not how anyone <laughs> would talk to anyone in any right, one right, situation right. like this. It's like it is. It is. Yeah. But it's like good, it's good. It's good. It's, it's good. You know. It's, good, again, yeah. I watched it a hundred times before I was like, wait a second, this is fucking odd. Like this is not how you would have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, she's like, way too smart. Yeah, exactly. It turns into like a Greek chorus or something. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's overwritten, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, wow. it's just it, it's it's way more um artificy than the rest of the mm-hmm. movie like it's like there's a, yeah. like you know like his, his everything is realistic in that movie and so like with the scenes that don't you're like all right I don't right know. but I, I think you could argue that's the diner scene too sure but like right. it's grounded enough yeah yeah um, it needed to happen because the love story had to continue it had the thematic connection <laughs> i love how you could just like at one scene you could just easily like go in a rabbit hole about another scene um yeah yeah that's that's heat for you all right so um yeah eventually they have to shoot their their way out of the bank heist they're in downtown la and it is like i don't know probably more of a shootout than as i don't know maybe i don't know if in real life there's you 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 never hear about shootouts like these but it's so insane this uh shootout and the guns 
are so loud that I always have to turn my TV down because I'm trying to hear De Niro mumble through the rest of the movie. So I have it up all the way and then it's just an explosion. Um, But that's what Michael Mann wants. He wants you to hear like how loud guns are kind of like Nolan. A lot of the times Um, I feel like Nolan has very loud gunshots. I think Nolan is deaf is what I've got. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you know, I <laughs> yeah no like i saw tenant and it was like post covid yeah. i was like god the sound design is great but this movie's fucking loud as shit like yeah i i've heard uh recently it came up around oppenheimer but he does know like he tries not to do any adr so that's just the audio recorded and that makes complete sense because that would explain why right. everything's well, so Well, he wants loud. the real performance of but that's totally. with dialogue right yeah, yeah so. but i'm also just like yeah, but every you, IMAX cameras are extremely loud, and right, so yeah. your audio guys boosting your dial, like so it makes complete sense. You can't hear any characters, and the score is like you know Hans Zimmer and you in the head. Yeah, um, yeah, it's an aesthetic choice now. But I'm just like I was like I was right. sort of blown away. But like to see if I can connect these two th- stray thoughts. I know for the shootout they place mics all around the like where they were filming, so it's actually the live recording what those gunshots sounded wow. like. Wow. in the location and that's as they're advancing why... through the streets wow yeah so there's like this booming and this echo that i don't think you'll ever like get again like you know john wick can try all it wants but like they can't they're not going to spend the time to do that because it's mm-hmm. a different time yeah and i i fundamentally believe like you know like the way no, like uh, Nolan like was like I want to do heat I want to do the diner scene I want to do the T two truck flip and see, like try to top it I don't think anyone mm. will ever actually be able to top this shootout because I think do it's like this. the perfect yeah yeah like this is it's one of its own things for sure it's and I think what so it makes long. you feel too yeah. I think it, it's like it's not like necessarily like enjoyable in the way you're like in the way you're you would think about like oh it's a cool action scene it's not it's almost like it's just very upsetting a lot of it too you're rooting for everybody Um, in it right so like the heat will call an action movie but it's really not it's a melodrama that has one big action scene that like is incredible and so like it and like everyone's tense but like it's that scene has to make Basically, the action scenes are thriller scenes are like yeah. crime thriller scenes yeah yeah and it's incredible and it goes on longer and like you know there's all these different yeah. layers to it and like i said like noticing that he shoots up a barbecue is like such yeah. a like <laughs> yeah there's all these like little yeah. story you know like the way they have to have the, like you like tom sizemore enough that he has to grab a kid so you're okay right, with him getting right. shot right and like yeah um there's like a famous tidbit of like Val Kilmer does the reloading so quickly that they show it to <laughs> oh, the actual yeah. Marines. Like, All right, so th- not- this is yeah. kind of cool. Val-, yeah. Val Kilmer does look really cool every time he's shooting a weapon, holding a weapon yeah. in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. he like flips over, when they're doing like the exchange and he flips yeah. over on top of things. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he just always looks cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, every time I, I like, he's just like, he's just so smooth with it. And it's because they all mm-hmm. did crazy amount of training for it. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, Malcolm could have been John Wick is what we learned while watching Heat. Like, yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> no, that shootout, it's like one of those things where you're just like, it's such an incredible piece of filmmaking. I don't even know how you even begin to approach it. Yeah. Like, talking about it, shooting it, like, you know, like, we're going to sh- occupy downtown LA by the Buenaventure mm-hmm. Hotel for 
a week at least. And just like we're gonna fake a giant gunfight with hundreds of cars getting shot up. Yeah, and it's not <laughs> gonna be like hidden at all. And um, I was watching the commentary for Mission Impossible Fallout, which takes place in um, um, there's a scene in Paris where they're shooting a bunch of police, and they actually like kind of hid that from civ- civilians because they're trying to be very respectful to the city of Paris. I don't think Michael Mann was really <laughs> hiding shit in this, you know, shootout no. scene at all. Yeah. It's stunning. Every time I watch it, like I actually sometimes skip over it. Cause I'm just like, I don't even want to begin to think about like, cause like at a certain point that scene, I really, as someone who wants to shoot shootouts and stuff, it's like, it's just, it's too much. It's too good. It's too it's too much to live up to. Basically. It's too impressive. It's too, everything is just so well done in it. Um, And you just feel, and also like the fact that it's the crescendo of the story, like, he mm-hmm. basically did two hours to get you to that point. Chris Sherilis gets shot. Um, Sizemore gets killed. Um, he takes uh, he takes Kilmer to uh, t- to Jeremy Piven, who's like his <laughs> emergency <Ooh>. doctor. <laughs> um, everybody, you know, even though this movie's like you know about realism, it's about like feeling like everyone's lived in it feels like everyone has this yeah. backstory it's real life everyone is also somebody that which is also helpful oh, like yeah. we're saying like hank azaria Jer- jeremy piven you know natalie portman michael Thompson, the little roles ted yeah. levine like it's mm-hmm. like there's not uh west yeah. duty like everyone um yeah, yeah which shows like... everyone wants to be in this man world though everyone's very committed to like we're gonna live in man's world here and like it's important to, like he was at his hottest, right? Like the last month, yeah. he had come out and was like a huge yeah. hit and like mm-hmm. was up for Oscars and like he yeah. got De Niro and Pacino and like who doesn't yeah. want to be in that movie then? And so like right. for sure. There's really I mean Jeremy Pivot's not an example of this, but there's like everyone is over Xander Berkeley is overqualified to play Ralph. <laughs> like it's like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's everyone is overqualified except for Wayne Grow, who's like basically a guy right out of right. jail. So in his own way, right. really, yeah, yeah, really for perfect. Sure. Like mm-hmm. It's, and that guy's like, also really great in this movie. Like he is, yeah. he's terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking about this with Oppenheimer actually really quick. Like Oppenheimer yeah. is one of those movies where every single person who has a like talking role was always like at least the lead in something. You know, like everyone oh, yeah. who speaks was at least is a movie star in Oppenheimer. You know, like there's those yeah. big epics like these that that is the standard to have any sort of screen time at all. I mean, Robin Malik is in that movie. For like I was just going to bring him and, up. Yeah. And he yeah. won an Oscar. I mean, he shouldn't have won an Oscar, but he won a Best Actor. Like, it's not like <laughs> yeah. it's like, like not that yeah. long ago. Three yeah. years ago, four years ago. Like, it's. And so, so... then Kilmer's in, uh, he's in Jeremy Piven's, like, wherever basement or something, wherever he's fixing <laughs> him up. And De Niro makes him take. Never his, where you want to like... end up. You never want to no. end up in Jeremy Piven's basement. Never. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Just thought of that. But um and De Niro makes him give him his shirt. That's my favorite um, bit of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my daughter I gave me this shirt. I don't care I don't care who gave it to you, you know. Like, <laughs> just pulls out a wad of cash, you know. Yeah. Um and uh I love when he's like um hey we got to get out of here. We're all over the evening news, you yeah, know, after, yeah. <laughs> just, after everything they did, like, and, and he goes back to his girl and like, she's watched the whole news and he actually expects like that. She's going to still be okay with everything. He's like, that's so... the most child. That's when you realize he's yeah. a child, right? Like, cause yeah. he just like forces her to stay. Like she, she looks like yeah. a kid being forced to eat their vegetables. Like it's right. 
He didn't it's, think it was going to be a problem at all. He's like, I'm not a salesman. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. all, you know, pretty much it. Um, you know, he just saw, you saw him like terrorize everyone on TV. You know, it's probably the, like, if this happened, like anywhere you are, this is crossed <laughs> across the country in the news for months. There's like gun debates, like everywhere. Like this would be the biggest thing in the world. It's also, I don't know, like it builds to this crescendo, right? This big shootout. And then um, it then like scatters, right? Like, so like, was, like all like these storylines that were all coming to a point have now re-exploded out, right? Like there's like the Jeremy Piven scene. There's the John Voight getting their mm-hmm. exit. There's Al Pacino yeah. beating up Henry Rollins. There's like, there's all these like little scenes that start happening. Wayne Grow checking into a hotel. And you're just like, now it's like, it, it, it has like reef center. All right. So it's basically, it, yeah, it's just wrapping it up. It's like, he's like, how long does Neil have? How long do we have with Neil till he's at his out time? Like they're always yeah. talking about Neil's out time, seven to eight hours. Like everyone's so hyper aware of it. They're like, it's like all the connections of where he might go. It's like, yeah. oh, if he's not after Van Zant now, he'll be after Wayne Grow, you know? Like, right, um, right. And it's trying to trace. It's trying to trace that. Like Wayne Grow checked into this hotel. Let's get guys there. Let's get a camera there. Maybe Neil yeah, will yeah. go for him there. You know. Um, Let's get, uh, you know, let's get Val Kilmer to try to meet up at the Venice house, you know, like let's get her to wave to him. It also does. That's when it really starts to feel like a TV show where you're like, this should have been four episodes. Like this is like too much has happened. Like there's too much like you're trying to get done in such a small amount of time. Um, It's like, yeah, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King last 30 minutes (laughs) or something. Yeah, you're like, there's just so much. And like, you can't like you can't give Dennis Haysbert's death other than thing more than a second with she watches it on TV. You can't like. Right, right. It it is. Yeah, I see that. That is so tragic. And she just notices it. um... She happens to be (laughs) off watching TV. Okay, sure. Yeah, at a Um, bar or something. Yeah. This is where, you know, Al Pacino beats up Henry Rollins. Sure, I buy that. Then, like, De Niro gets the Van Zandt. Like, yeah, yeah, then... yeah. He's like Van Zandt and Encino he, in the hills. He climbs up. Yeah. Climbs up to his place. Um, um, the Natalie Portman thing happens. And, right. like, mm-hmm. and I do buy that. I do. I mean, we get the kick. Like, you get, like, him kicking the TV out, going back to, like, the fact that she picked his hotel room. Like, it does work. There's this weird humanizingness mm-hmm. to it. It shouldn't mm-hmm. though. Like I, mm-hmm. again, that does feel like the most TV part of the movie, right? Or it is. Just... It is something you would see on TV. Yeah. Like, oh, this is horrific. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think it, it all pays off, and I kind of, I, I'm with you. I think John, John, you guys are saying like when they like reconnect in the hospital, you almost want them to like figure it out, even though it would be pointless because it's just going to yeah. end the same way. But there's mm-hmm. this like hope to it mm-hmm. and like it is one of those like when i was watching with my friend we're like oh there's another thing that happened to him that you're like yeah it's, like, it's just <laughs> mm-hmm. like a bunch of his yeah. co-workers got shot and like how much can this guy take like what is he on like this you yeah know, like, to, and like for him to mentally take all this yeah but it does it all it's all leading like it does somehow, even with like that giant shootout, and then we have all these splintered storylines. Right, we still get to build back. I feel like the, I feel the, I, I. How do you guys feel about like the last, like the hope, like De Niro, like there's the great shot of like the dinner, like De Niro's escaped. He did it. He got out of his aquarium. He's at the open road. And then... well, yeah, I, I love that. And uh, the mm-hmm. score comes back on, and you feel it really is. Um... 
it's like a taste of freedom real quick. Yeah, you know? it's a um, real beautiful moment. Yeah, and you and really want and you want him to go so bad, but then it goes back to the action is the juice, you know, cuz he gets that really he has like, to win. that fun look on his face where he's like, "Oh, but I could also like if I'm quick enough, I know what I, I know what I'm doing. I know I could really quickly kill Wangro." And know? there's that beautiful shot that they it's all the time it's like where the car goes white because it goes from outside into the tunnel and like the whole thing makes the decision and the car goes white and then the world like it's like peace and he's basically mm-hmm. like he's not like it's entering heaven and then he comes back yeah. out and like yeah the score changes he, changes he has his chance he chooses not to and like in that mo- moment you you're like all right it's his conscious choice like it's such... to not get what he wanted you know this is the thing that both drives me nuts and i love about filmmaking so like that shot i'm talking about where it's like the car goes white they go through yeah. the tunnel it's like such a beautiful thought through transcendent shot mm-hmm. like i was like oh it's like a clarity it's like all these like mm-hmm. things to me thematically are hitting that moment and then i just read that it was an accident that it was just <laughs> because they didn't expose the camera of like for night to day going interior and so it caused <laughs> that blowout and you're like so that amazing incredible beautiful moment and then the post they're intent- like oh that works maybe that to really what we're there. trying to do yeah, here yeah yeah like i mean it's it, it says a lot to make sure to grab it and put it in the movie at the right moment. But it's just like one of those things where you're like, I feel artists beat ourselves up for not thinking of everything. And then really it, it you just gotta be Sometimes intuitive. You don't have it just to. happens. Yeah. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. you gotta be intuitive. I think is more of the thing we, it, much like, much like Vincent Hanna, you gotta work, you gotta like be reactive and not mm-hmm. proactive. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, how do you guys, where do you guys stand on like the whole last 15? So he goes to the, we've kind of like, yeah, yeah. he goes to the hotel but you know, like there, he's going to kill Wayne Grow. He he yeah. gets that success, and then of course yeah. he... he's like, "Look at me, look at me." You know, like De Niro is as scary as he's probably ever is on screen, yeah. arguably in that one moment. And yeah. I don't, I kind of like how he sees, he knows that, like no cop kind of notices yeah. that he's there. Like when he was wearing, he's wearing some like hotel uniform or something like that. Yeah. But Hannah, ha- Hannah knows, and so he knows Hannah's coming after him. And Hannah, I like how Vincent Hannah's the only one going after him. Like, fi- like that's, that's what I like be, about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just the two of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I always love right before that. There's that shot of Edie in the car, like POV of like, yeah. the fire truck, and you're yeah. like, if you really get the chaos of everything going on. Yeah. Well, and she's kind of like there in like in the car and she must like have some idea that like, yeah, he... all this madness is him and, um, and then they have the chase through the airport yeah chase through the um yeah the, the runways airport. yeah yeah the runways um which is another great like location like we're talking yeah. about that um just like random industrial crap that they're shooting around um yeah and like, and that thing again, like they're like, so like, what's, so the end, right? Like we're, we're now, we're basically like, yeah, we're at I, the end. Yeah. I think there's, it's so key to the story. Two things. One, it proves my point. That's a love story. Cause it ends with them holding hands, which I think yeah. is really mm-hmm. that piece of music. It's, they're both like, they, it's the moment where they like, found each other and lost each other right but again mm-hmm. it's this whole movie is about like people passing not getting the timing or getting the time like we're all passing we're like he said his dream is running out of time yeah. right it, it, which is something like if you were underwater would happen right so it's like everyone's in transit and so it makes beautiful sense that these two souls would meet 
at an mm-hmm. airport as a plane where planes take off. Like it just like makes it like, yeah. it's yeah. like oh, he's exiting mm-hmm. his life. He has to stay. He's never gonna feel the same thing, you know, or will he? And mm-hmm. like they just keep passing back and forth through these like temporal planes, and there's no more clear mm-hmm. example of that than a fucking runway at an airport. Like it's just thousands of people moving back and forth. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just like I think it's underrated. Every time I watch Heat, I sometimes will like, you know, after the shootout, I'll sort of stop and maybe not finish it. Or I'll watch that that end always gets me because I just think it's so such a beautiful thematic yeah. tie to put it at mm-hmm. like they have a, like I don't know I don't like that's so brilliant to me that yeah it, it nails it definitely nails it um the shot of him like standing over De Niro at the end holding his hand um yeah. and I'm not the I'm not going back line yeah um and then the the Tangerine Dream song coming in um it, no, it's, like, it's it's Moby my friend it's Moby yeah it says I thought it was Moby oh yeah. Moby okay that song anyways is great <laughs> yeah for this moment yeah it's that so final good. scene just Pacino just standing still staring off you like you see his back yeah. and then De Niro's just bloody oh. and it's yeah. definitely where uh, you're just like masterpiece right there you know pretty much every time yeah and again it ends like with daylight coming up you're like okay i can go back outside i'm done watching heat it's like, like all right they stayed it. up they stayed up all night again <laughs> they did it they did it like but it's just such like i, I sent the the image in the chat like it's such a fucking gorgeous sweet romantic like it's again like it, it hammers home to me that like not only is heat is not an action movie it's a melodrama but it's also that it's a love story between a like true melodramas between two men that's such a romantic end like it's something yeah. like out of the forties about a like a woman who dies of some disease and the man holds her hand. It's yeah. like the, they got on a yeah, boat. It's like, yeah, it's tragic. Yeah, it's it's just to have that end when you're like you got to see heat. It's this action movie. Like it's like it's so gives you all that stuff, but also is just like this completely other swerve. And I think it's the swerve that makes it so great. <laughs> and Justin that's... wrapped it up <laughs> the movie pretty beautifully. <laughs> I gotta go eat. I mean, that's where I'm at. I was like, I'm yeah. hungry. <laughs> that's what happens a lot. All right. Well, yeah. So that's heat, everyone. I hope that we did it justice. I hope that we went in. As I know, you can always go endless rabbit holes in depth, but we'd be here for multiple days. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on, Justin. You thanks, were Justin. Great. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Anytime you want to talk Michael Mann or Dark or Christopher Nolan, I'm in. <laughs> that's the that's the subgenre we've uh, cornered ourselves into. Yeah, yeah, definitely.